Welcome everybody. My name is Alexander Greb. I am the Customer Advisory Lead S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. Before we go into Christmas break, I have a very special episode for you today because we have not one guest, but two guests for you. First, we welcome back for her second visit at this podcast, Ms. Saskia Fontanive of InnovaB, who became prominent because of her successful high-speed S4HANA cloud implementations at Young Agile Adopters. And second, it's great to have for the first time Mr. Jan Gilk, who was responsible for the other extreme, the internal S4HANA implementation at SAP, where as a former program manager myself, I have the highest respect for this undertaking because I can imagine that we are ourselves not the easiest customer for an implementation, to be honest. So we have basically both extremes at this podcast. Additionally, Jan is now a senior vice president directly responsible for any S4HANA related product development and reports directly to the board. So we will get very interesting insights about the cloud and future S4HANA strategy. Furthermore, this episode is where we end for 2019. And I will go now into the Christmas break. So I want to say thank you very much to all my listeners and guests for the episodes of 2019. And I want to give a special thank you very much to Julia Molokova, Axel Vetter, Richard Stratton Jr., Melanie Machold, and all the others supporting me to make this edgy little podcast possible. When I had the idea to start something like this podcast, I was pretty confident that it would find, of course, some interested listeners, but I did not expect it to become a, something like a global tech podcast appearing in the top 20 of many countries with such a short time. So I'm still amazed and humbled and feel deep dedication to continue and improve this format for you even further. I will be back in early January 2020 with new episodes. The backlog is full and I'm really looking forward to welcome you back as listeners. But now let's start with this Christmas edition featuring Saskia Fontanive and Jan Gilk here at the SAP Experts Podcast. For the first time in my personal very short podcasting career, um, I'm thrilled to welcome two guests two really special guests. Um, we have Miss Saskia Fontaniva again of InnovaB fame, the probably world's fastest project manager, and Mr. Jan Gilk, senior vice president and responsible for S4HANA and um, direct report to the board. Welcome. Thank you. Hope you're fine. Thank you. Saskia, let's start with you. Um, because Avid listeners of us know you already from episode number five, S4HANA in 16 weeks, which, by the way, became one of the most popular episodes we had, um, probably because of its strong message um, <laughs> that it's absolutely possible to implement an ERP in 16 weeks. But unfortunately, uh, this particular episode also generated one of the strongest feedbacks I experienced. And the interesting thing is that um, I want to quote from some of the emails I got um, because it is quite visible that some people do not get over it that ERP implementation can be easy or does not have to be something like a year-long experience. Um, one quote it was um, 
great story, but probably a lucky shot. Uh, and another one which I especially like is uh, One Time Wonder. Um, but what, what is your response to these kinds of remarks about that? <laughs> yeah, actually, it's exciting. However, I think it's not a huge surprise to me that things like that came up because I guess we did not make a huge attempt to hide that DE is like the perfect cloud customer. Mm -hmm. We always said like, They have the perfect cloud mindset. We had a clear management decision for a mm -hmm. cloud solution and also management support throughout the project. So I'm not really surprised that things like that came up. So it was basically something like a ball which was right before an empty goal and you had to score. Yeah, we always said it's the perfect customer. And of course, people think like, yeah, lucky circumstances. Okay, but... Uh, What's the interesting part in that is that uh, you just repeated that, not in 16 weeks, but in 15 weeks. We will talk later about this. Um, Jan, welcome here. Welcome. Great to have you. Um, you had in your career a lot of high-profile jobs already at SAP, like Global Head of Enterprise Architecture, Global Head of IT Business Services, where you were, pro if I... Correct me if I say it wrong, but you were more or less the one responsible for implementing S4HANA at SAP, which I presume is maybe not the easiest customer in air quotes to implement an ERP. Uh, and now you're responsible for all that stuff because you're head of S4HANA. Um, how has your journey been in the last 11 months? Yeah, first of all, welcome as well, and, and thanks for having me. I think, as, as you said, it's been quite an interesting journey. And yes, I have been in my prior life uh, responsible for our own business applications and business systems here at SAP. And obviously, we, under the moniker SAP Runs SAP, we have been implementing a lot of our applications ourselves. Um, nevertheless, I would say it's kind of ca quite a contrast, actually, mm -hmm. to, to what Saskia has talked about, uh, 15, 16 weeks. That's probably the time we just take to, to talk about things before <laughs> 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 we start anything. And uh, I have to say, mm, it's nevertheless has been an, an interesting experience. And yeah, we started uh, still when I was uh, in charge with the S4HANA implementation. We actually just finished it up this year. Um, uh, finally, actually, and got SAP also now in the latest version of, of S4HANA. And uh, obviously now in my, in my new role, I basically switched sides. Um, and uh, we've always uh, been working very closely with development anyway, also in, in IT, since we are quite kind of an early adopter for a lot of our software. Uh, but now then being in charge of development, actually seeing the other side and having SAP IT as a customer, it's obviously a different experience. Let me jump on that. When you said we are something like an early adopter, um, I'm at SAP since 2010. I know some stories that w it was not always like that, that we were early adopters of our own software. <laughs> like, for example, for R3, I know the stories um, that we were actually one of the last SAP customers to go to R3. Is that correct? Yes, actually. And uh, when, when I, I started SAP in 2006, and uh, we were also on one of the, the latest and oldest releases, uh, had also to do with the fact that we uh, like to do what we always tell customers not to do, uh, to modify <laughs> the system <laughs> and fully adjust it to our own processes. So therefore, um, actually, it took a while. And then I think uh, under the new CIO, um, there, was, there was quite some change, also change in mindset. 
And then we really started uh, to you know push this more actively and said, actually, customers are looking at us and, and how can we credibly be out there and talk about you know what our software does and what, what value it creates and how it can help companies when we run on a super old version. And that's when we started this whole SAP runs SAP program in the last couple of years. And it was quite successful. I mean, we've also attended um, pretty much all the, you know, SAP Sapphire and TechEd and various occasions where we have done exchange with, with other customers and talk about the story and talk about some experience that we have, which is not so much different than other customers. And they appreciate, obviously, then the, the insight uh, that we get. And obviously, we have the advantage of being very close to the source and to development and get many requests maybe prioritized a little bit more. Uh, so therefore, I think it was a it was a win-win situation for everybody. Um, since we we got you both, which in that aspect represent like two, the two extremes, um, with Saskia um, doing the real fast, right on the point projects, and Janis coming a little bit more from the let's say complex customer side with SAP. Um, talking about the differences, um, ABS, which was the 15 weeks transition. Can you tell two or three sec uh, sentences about this customer? Yeah, actually, ABS is related to DE, as DE belongs to a group of investors that also hold other companies. And one of those is, for example, ABS. It's a company based in south of Germany, and they are manufacturing Avalanche airbags. Maybe some of you know it from the keynote of Daniel Holz at DSAG Congress. So basically, it's those those backpacks um, which are like inflatable, and um, they are helping you not to get like stuck under the snow, but keep you swimming yes. on top of the avalanche. Um, where do we, would you say like from those two experiences, where are the similarities and where are the differences? Are they like the same? And you said we just had to repeat what we already did with DE, or was this something like a different case? I would say that DE was kind of a pilot project for the investors to see what the solution can do and how the solution can help them run their businesses. And then, yeah, ABS was, from a processes perspective, sure, there were similarities, but they, ABS also has discrete manufacturing, so that was what, what, that was, was, what was different from the... But, but the similarities definitely seem to be like... I call them young companies with a very strong growing attitude. Yeah, sure. Um, modern companies. Jan, are these something like the, let's say, characteristics of a typical cloud customer? Uh, I, I would say of a typical cloud customer in the in the early stages you know, of the of the product, and as as you know, the S four hundred cloud product is is rather young, uh, and obviously at the beginning. Um, it's a, it's a huge difference um, for for if you look at it from a, if you have a lot of experience with ERP, and this is what we see in the in the market as well that a lot of the long-standing ECC customers that we have they look into the cloud solution and there's always this direct comparison and there's a lot of functionality there. And even more so, there's on-premise a lot of possibility to change functionality, to modify the system, to adjust it, etc. And the cloud, all of a sudden, is, is very restrictive. And then customers, they do see the benefit for sure. They say, hey, yeah, that's going to help me uh, standardize and standardize my processes. 
Um, but then when they realize what it means in terms of business transformation, often they you know they take Let's a step back the and way. they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not sure if we if we can be that that radical. And is there not a, a transition to it? Is there not a, a journey that we can take? And this is what I see with a lot of the large customers. And by the way, since we talked about SAP anyway, it's the same. Huh? And uh, SAP was also in a position of, of transformation. You know, becoming a cloud company, changing the whole business model, changing our commercial models. All of a sudden, you sell software not just as a license anymore with a, with a maintenance fee, but as a subscription. Customers are asking for pay-as-you-go, for usage-based pricing, all those kind of things. And, and we, couldn't, we couldn't support that from an IT perspective anymore uh, with, with the old system that we had. So that was one of the key reasons to also transition into S4. But again, uh, and I mentioned, we had quite a f modified system <clears throat> and the business wasn't ready yet to fully you know, adopt standardized cloud processes. So we said, okay, let's apply some of the cloud rules, so to speak. Yeah? Let's try to standardize, let's build back modifications, let's move custom code out, let's see how we can use best practices but not go all the way into cloud. So I, I would agree probably smaller companies, uh, companies that are younger, so to speak, that don't have so much ERP legacy and experience, they are usually a perfect fit to go into the public cloud version right away. But but let's do a sidestep concerning that because when when we often have these customers who say like I, I have so many important processes I really have to take over, is it still feasible to talk in that case about digital transformation when most of the things are done then in the project is nothing more like trying to bring the old processes just on a new platform? Is this just digital? Is, is this still tr digital transformation? in your two, two opinions? Or is this just something like an IT project where I take the old stuff onto a new level and start from there? Yeah, I think it's about what do you want to get out of your solution and what do you want, how do you want to benefit from it? Because this is actually what we experience at many customers. They say, yeah, we are cloud-minded, we want mm. to go standard, we want to change our current processes and adapt them to standard processes. But then when you are in the workshops and you tell them, okay, so this is now how your process will work in the future, they're like, okay, yeah, we are cloud-minded and we want to do standard, but we cannot do it like that. I want to shower, but I do not want to get wet. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah. <laughs> And this is what makes DE and ABS so special, I guess, and like the perfect cloud customer, because they made a clear decision mm -hmm. and they knew what it would take to really make the most out of their cloud solution. And they always came back to that decision. When we were in the project and we came over certain challenges, they were like, okay, let's think, why did we want to do that? Why did we make the decision to implement a cloud solution? And this is what I think makes them really a great cloud customer. When you talk about the perfect cloud customer, Jan, do you think like there are more, let's say, characteristics? Because since we have certain public cloud options, we have private cloud options, couldn't we not say something like um, cloud is for everybody? Slash? Slash? 
Yeah, I, th I think we, we could. Uh, I do believe um, pu putting ERP into the cloud has always has to be a business project. Uh, so it can never be an IT-driven project, um, and and it really has to be tied into a transformational effort in the company, and that is usually business-driven. And so, if you latch on to that, I think it doesn't really matter whether the company is large or small, or you know what what history they have and legacy. I think then cloud can work for everybody. Uh, often you don't you don't have that as a as a compelling event. You know? um, the cases where we see that and where companies are actually looking into uh, transformation, or sometimes they have to you know, because they have the market pressure. They have uh, competitors coming in that they didn't see coming, and they are forced to change their business models and so on. Uh, then those projects go extremely well, uh, and uh, a lot of the capabilities that come with cloud or characteristics are very much appreciated. And the fact that you have to standardize, the fact that you're also usually much quicker in implementation, even though in 15, 16 weeks, certainly extreme, but possible. But even, you know, when you compare it to, to uh, on-prem projects, it could take still uh, months, years. Uh, so therefore, um, uh, the hope is definitely to have a quicker implementation. And then, and then really it doesn't stop after go live. Uh, so you, you continue to consume innovation and this is what, what companies want because this has also been a challenge, frankly, also from a development perspective. If I look at this and you remember back in, in ECC, we had those enhancement packages and we spent significant amount of money, R&D uh, money into those enhancement packages and delivered quite some capabilities in there. But very few customers were actually able to adopt that. And as, as we grew the enhancement packages, it got less and less. And uh, that's, that's a pity uh, for, for us uh, because we spend a lot of money there. We, I think we can create a lot of value, but it's not consumed and for customers because it's part of uh, what they pay for us anyway and part of their maintenance fee and they never could take advantage. And in the cloud, it's totally different. They get the upgrades anyway. So they are always on the latest and greatest, and they have the possibility to consume this innovation. And once customers are there, uh, I don't think anybody ever wanted to go back. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, resembling quite a lot what, what Uwe Grigolet, for example, said in, in his podcast episode. Because like the cloud, um, the push to the cloud in the past always has had come from the business side. Because they said, um, that's where I get the innovation much faster, much easier than I use from my on-premise side, where maybe in certain aspects an IT department cannot be able to be at that speed. Yeah, Like, for example, when you are in the cloud and you have like the quarterly updates and so on, there's no way in an on-premise installation that you will do a downtime each three months like to put updates on it yeah nobody would do that i have not experienced somebody but isn't it like in all the, what you said in in all aspects the case that the mindset is the most important thing to start not only for 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 going into the cloud but also to tackle that topic as for hana and trans uh, digital transformation at all because when i have the mindset like thinking about the goal I have and look back from it, like what do I need, what kind of capability do I need? I'm not so much in danger of getting caught in sometimes like a sometimes month and year long delta discussion where I think like the truth lies in, 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 in deep dives um, where maybe the last difference between ECC and S4 is. Yeah, I totally think that this is true and also true for what you asked before, like how can you use S4HANA cloud or any cloud solution as an enabler for digital transformation? And I think this is done by 
not seeing it as a project with a go live and then you're done, but really seeing it as a tool or a solution that supports or even enables your growth strategy, your digital transformation, and really make use of all those innovations that are shipped quarterly. Like, for example, for the DE and ABS project, we always have a look at the innovations from two sides. One is we think about what are the needs of the customer, what capabilities are they looking for, new functionality, new business processes, or anything like that. And then we have a look at, in next release, what is in there for them. But we also have a look at the innovations themselves, like independent from the needs of the customer, just to see if there's anything in there they could derive a business benefit from that they did not even know about in the first place. And I think this is how you can really drive business or digital transformation with the solution. And it, it really goes, what you say very well, into to my attitude where I said, like, you always should tackle from the strategic stand, standpoint the topic. When I said, like, where do I want to be in three to five years? What are my customers doing? What are my, let's say, wh what do my coworkers expect from me? And based on this, let's say, future image that I have, I go and, and build up my, let's say, personal book where I want the, the, the S4, um, my S4 implementation, um, where I want it to be. Concerning that, um, a question that is always quite often asked is, um, does SA how much SAP itself, like SAP culture, is inside of S4HANA? Yeah, that's that's a good one. <laughs> I think I think quite a bit. <clears throat> I I, um, I I do believe um, actually that we have gone through through a journey as well as a as an ERP provider. I mean, at the end of the day, we're still fighting with Gartner, who invented the category back in the <laughs> days. <laughs> um, but this is what what uh, made SAP um, great. Actually, is really to be the market leader in ERP, and um, then being in the in the Fortune 2000, working with all those large customers, working with with over 50,000 customers, uh, you know, around the globe certainly uh, also gave us a lot of um, insight into how things work. And uh, certainly then uh, the culture of, of SAP has always been very uh, customer focused and, and making things happen and uh, also having a very you know, engineering driven culture where people are very open to trying new things and trying new technologies and think about how can I use this technology and bring it in the context of, of a business process. And I think that is what, what differentiates us at the, at the end of the day also is that uh, we have this strong culture here that we think business process uh, and not only technology, but have really this, this combination of, of how we can leverage technology to improve processes, to automate them, to extract new insight, to reimagine them. So it is a strong engineering culture and I think that has influenced S4HANA quite a bit. Uh, if you think about the differences also between ECC and S4HANA, and often people don't don't see that, especially when you do a, a, a pure conversion, it's first of all more of a technical thing. Uh, but if you look behind the scenes, uh, fundamentally things have changed. New concepts like the universal ledger uh, that didn't exist in the past uh, has been driven by by exactly that, an engineering mindset. How can I leverage 
you know, a new database, a new in-memory database to really make uh, finance more real-time and uh, give my finance people insights into their operations in real-time, being able to know at any p given point in time where we stand financially. Uh, or in the in the logistics area, if you look into what we've done with the MRP run, also completely redesigned the whole thing, took many, many steps out of it, took the whole uh, batch uh, aspect out of it, made it also real-time, you know, based on the technology that we had at our disposal. And the same is happening with, with uh, in what we call intelligent technologies like machine learning, robotic process automation, predictive analytics, where we now actually were able to put this in the context of the process without extracting the data first into a data warehouse or something, doing then, then some analytics and then bringing it back somehow, doing this all at the same time in the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is really an, some of the examples how we, we managed to enrich and change those processes significantly and, and uh, create value for, for the customer. So I think, yes, it's, it's heavily influenced by, by our culture here. And looking from the other side on it, what do you think has, since we are working with S4 and ERP, the new generation ERP ourselves, how much, how much did it change ourselves? I think the, the um, S4 is a, is a synonym for the change towards a cloud company. And uh, we are still in the middle of this change. And, and you know, we talk about cloud mindset, and this is a term that I use a lot when I talk to, to my teams internally and other executives here in the company use this term a lot uh, to also um, you know, demonstrate to our people that we have to change as well. <clears throat> and the cloud has helped us a lot uh, to change and to, to adjust. Let's uh, take as an example the user experience. Uh, certainly hasn't been a strong suit of SAP in the past, <laughs> but it, it didn't have to be. Uh, customers worked with SAP GUI. Uh, it was more of an expert tool. They, they were happy with it. Once they could use it, they could be very efficient. Mm. But it also would close the door for, for a broad adoption. And then in the past, 10 years ago, if you walk into a, even a large enterprise, there's always a very selective people group of people who would actually use an ERP system. That, that has completely changed. I almost call it like it's, ERP has been democratized. Mm -hmm. And now we really try to address a broad range of users who do something with the system. And ideally, they don't even know that, oh, I'm working now with an ERP system. Uh, I'm actually opening an app, ideally from my mobile device, uh, from my iPhone. And then I do, I record my times or, you know, I look at the report or something like that. And nobody really knows this is, this is now the ERP system that is doing this in the background. Um, and this is a very different mindset as well that you have to develop and, and grow as a, as a development organization. Mm -hmm. And then the other aspects that, uh, that I mentioned before uh, and, and Saskia said as well is, is that it doesn't end with the go live. So this whole idea that a product is not done when development is done. And in former times after development close, we would hand over the product to the customer, to the implementer and said, yeah, let's go with it, build it, implement it, do whatever you want with it. And in the cloud, it's very different. Uh, you have to be there. And if there's bugs and there's issues, then the developer have to go in and they have to fix it. So we developed this whole uh, DevOps culture here as well at SAP, which is, which is new. Uh, this is uh, when, when you're a company that started 40 years ago, you have to bring the people along. And this is really a significant change uh, in the culture now and uh, also in the mindset that is happening here at SAP. And uh, with S4HANA and cloud, uh, it's basically uh, reflected and we use it to, to drive it. While listening to you, I just realized myself that something changed with me in the last years without I was really noticing it. Because 
um, formerly when I had to do my work with our own SAP system, okay, I went with, with my laptop and so on and uh, put, put on the transactions and, and did my work. I think since about one year, I have not been in the system via my laptop. Everything I did was either via the iPad or via the iPhone. And um, the, the change really like came into me without myself noticing noticing it. Like I, I adopted a new way of working and so on. And quite naturally, um, I forgot about like the old habits I had and adopted that let's say that new way of working, that more mobile, that less fix uh, fixated way of working quite easily um, is it something what you also see from your customers Saskia or do you get something like struggles with the adoption of the new processes where really people like maybe work with SAP for 20 years with the old GUIs and the old way of working now really have to change yeah of course there are both side, sides to that there are those people that use like MM02 for like forever mm -hmm. And they are very efficient in using it, and they don't want to change. And you show them a super fancy Fiori app, but they just... I think there's a toy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got this feedback once from a, like a 65 years old SAP user. So I, I worked already with R2, and then I showed him Fiori and said, this is a toy, it's not <laughs> a ERP. And uh, I then saw him later when he was going, uh, I think, into a retirement half a year later and so on, and came to me and said, like, for the last three months, I really adopted working with this <laughs> 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 So like really for his last three months of his professional life, he adopted the new <laughs> way of working. Yeah. Because it's for everyone. Yeah, and I, I think that is also one of the big misconceptions actually with, with Fiori. Yeah? For, yeah. for a long time, it was all about, oh, let's rebuild those transactions in Fiori. Yeah. And then we count the coverage and we count the transactions, uh, but realize this is a completely wrong approach. Yeah? We are trying to now create a new user experience for how you use um, uh, the software. And if you take something like, uh, you know, the, the famous VA01, creating a sales order, and you have a screen and you have tons of buttons and functions and everything, mm -hmm. uh, you can't build that in a, in a Fiori screen. It just looks maybe a little bit prettier and that's it. So you have to rethink really based on what is the job that needs to be done and what is the role that the user has and, and what are the things he needs to accomplish and what can the system ideally do uh, by itself. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, how can you infuse it then again with with uh, intelligence, with analytics that help the user get the job done better. And, and this is what Fiori should be all about. And this is what those Fiori apps do. And of course, they look completely different then. And sometimes they look like a toy. But this is really the, the sophistication, in my opinion, is that you simplify this user experience so much, but it, you still accomplish the same. Mm -hmm. Hmm. But again, what, what you both say, it again, again comes to the point like in every aspect. And I think this is a big change for us. Like when you tackle a topic like this, it's not about doing sim same or similar things just better, but being able to do things differently. And that's maybe what means a transformation for us in our jobs when we are working with customers in the thinking of what we advise our customers to do. That it's not about doing that so you are faster at your goal, but re really to rethink what, what do you want to accomplish? Yeah, I, I think it, it has really both both aspects. And when I talk about S4, I, I always talk about the two sides. Uh, one is the, the, you know, the side of the operational excellence and how you still use, of course, even S4 to, mm. to optimize your, your operations and, and you know, streamline processes, look really at the cost and how you can be more efficient. 
uh, but that's only one part of it. Yeah, I fully agree. The other part that's that's way more exciting is then really how do I change things and do things differently, and how do I, you know, uh, leverage new models, new business models, commercial models. <clears throat> what can what can I do there, and how can the system support me doing that, and how can the system be much more intelligent itself? How can the system learn based on the inputs of the users? and uh, take over some of the tasks or can actually make certain uh, proposals, recommendations, what to do, and so on. So I think there's a lot of things that are still untapped, especially when we look into the cloud, uh, where we have then also a much broader access to, to data across the whole network. Uh, and, and what can we do with that? Uh, you know, if you think about benchmarking, if you think about additional analytics uh, that you can derive, and if you think about how we can measure how systems are being used uh, and all those kind of things. So I think there's a whole lot of opportunity in this space. Like I said, that's really untapped, and this is what we're, what we're going after. Saskia, representing our partners landscape in this setup <laughs> here today, um, what do you think does this mean? Or what kind of consequences does this this have for our partner landscape? Yeah, actually what I think is that cloud solutions really totally change the role of partners, but also the role of software provi providers. Because we are talking, yeah, implement a standard solution, standard best practice processes. And what does this mean for the customer? It means that they could easily switch to another solution and easily switch to another partner because yeah, they just put their processes on another system. And this is where all this fancy stuff and this after-go-life activities come into play because this is where we can really differentiate and really help the customer pursue their growth strategy, their digital transformation and where we as a partner do have to have a very close relationship and very close communication with the customer in order to know their needs, to know what kind of functionality they are looking for, where they currently have struggles, and what could help them grow or pursue their digital transformation even more. And I think this is what partners really have to put their mindset on. They are not only an implementation partner and then here's the system and mm -hmm. now just work on it, but really work closely together with the customer throughout the whole journey. So become something more like of a, the implementer or the former implementer becomes more something like a strategic guiding light. Yeah. It has to because it's it has now more you, you you have now more possibilities like to maybe diversify yourself or to set apart from other partners. It's still something like a competition, of course, yeah. But since it has like these chances, of course, it always also has something like risk because yeah, you're easy exchangeable. Yes, which we by the way also are of course with a cloud solution, yeah. Since a cloud solution is. Not that something of a fixed monolith, like for example, an on-premise solution is. We have the same pressure where we have to adopt to, um, which means that um, the whole business probably gets less predictable. Yeah. Yeah, I think we actually try to work a little bit against that, and uh, <laughs> you know, make how how do we make uh, S4HANA in the cloud sticky as well. It's, it's a good question. And, and first and foremost, of course, it's about uh, customer satisfaction um, and how happy customers are with the solution. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest way to 
uh, make it stick and then uh, customers are also willing to stay with us. Um, and that means much more than just a product. Like I mentioned before, it's the whole life cycle, all mm -hmm. the life cycle events like upgrades, hot fixes, et cetera. If that's, if that's running smooth, then customers don't see a reason to switch. Uh, that's the first thing. The other thing, from my opinion, is that um, ERP becomes much more of a platform. And uh, what's clear is that um, all the things that we have built in the last 40 years at SAP, all the software, all the add-ons, all the stuff, we cannot just rebuild in the cloud in the next couple of years. So there's much, much more opportunity uh, for the partner ecosystem also to build or fill those white spaces, but do it different than, again, than an on-premise, because the expectation here as well is that those things, those uh, add-ons, I call them add-ons in, in the cloud, they plug into S4HANA rather seamlessly. Yeah. And that's why we are working on, you know, one thing is the API strategy. How do we expose uh, functionality and data actually into the platform? How do we expose our data models into the platform? How do we make it easy for those partner solutions to consume those uh, data models and build their own apps or, or build their, their add-ons uh, to it? And once you do that and, and a customer have the opportunity to actually consume those uh, extensions by partners in a, in a very seamless way, then it's really becoming a platform game. And then it's going to be uh, much, much harder also to, to replace. So therefore, yes, the business is less predictable in a way that you have a subscription and you have renewals. But if you, if you make it sticky and if you keep the customer happy, it is actually much more predictable than, than on-premise revenue. Hmm. When we are driving something like a cloud-first strategy, which we do, not a cloud-only strategy, what does this mean like for the future? Yeah, so it, it means primarily that we build uh, most of the innovation first in the cloud and um, we are releasing this innovation once in a quarter. Uh, while in on-premise, we are actually then packaging it up, downporting it, and release it once a year. So therefore, we always start in the cloud, and cloud customers can consume those things earlier. Plus, uh, you obviously have the implementation aspect in on-premise still, even though we are trying also with our on-premise customers to instill some of the cloud mindset and tell them, you know, apply those rules, stay modification-free, use the uh, cloud platform to build your extensions, don't do it in the, in the uh, above core again. You know, um, do standardized processes so you can actually also every year uh, consume the upgrade, which which we want customers to do. So we want them to stay current, but nevertheless, it's all it always comes later than in the cloud. And then there are certain things that we build only in the cloud. Uh, that's the case as well. So we are not downporting all our new applications into on-premise. So there are examples of things that are available only in the cloud. On-premise customers can consume them. Uh, they can connect to them, just like you know our acquired assets in, with Ariba, SuccessFactors, or Conquer. And the same is true for, for new applications that we build. Uh, nevertheless, there's also obviously a huge portion in our install base that is moving to on-premise, at least as, a, as an inter interim step. And uh, we also have to cater to them, and we want to cater to them, and we also want to give them a roadmap and an innovation roadmap. And one thing is that we make this innovation from the cloud available, but we also, in certain areas, build specific capabilities that are usually very complex, high sophisticated, and uh, then also exclusively for our on-premise customers. A very big topic is always the year 2025, uh, where some customer may say, hmm, do, why do we really have to stop the support? Well, why, in my personal opinion, it's quite natural yeah, <laughs> that something has come to an end which has its roots in, let's say, technology, which was actually in 1989, 1991. Um, 
so many customers are now in that situation where they really have to ask themselves, how shall I proceed any further? Concerning that, what we've heard with cloud first, and so with seeing this topic as a strategic topic, are there something like really f fixed recommendations that you as a partner, Saskia, and we as a SAP, Jan, can give to our customers? Yeah, I guess there is no standard recipe or roadmap that you can give to any customer. It really depends on their needs and also on where they come from and where they want to go. Like what kind of strategy are they pursuing? How do they see an ERP solution for them in the future and also supporting their future strategy? You have We, we have just different customers and facing different needs of customers. So I think there is no standard solution. We always take a look at the needs of the customer, at their strategy, also kind of have a look at their history. Like, as I said, where are they coming from? Um, how did they work with upgrades in the past? Like, there are customers that did not make an upgrade, like, forever. So this is what we usually do. And then the decision for is it on-premise or is it cloud That is not what is like in our focus in the first place, but really the needs of the customer and their future strategy. Yeah, and I, I, I think um, the discussion has changed quite a bit. Uh, so going away from we have to move to S4 because maintenance is running out on ECC towards uh, how do we get to S4? Because most customers have realized, uh, first of all, driven what you mentioned, it's, it's a technology question. There is time for a technology refresh, but also there's a lot of pressure from a, from a business perspective mm -hmm. and market pressure. And uh, <clears throat> then the question is, how is the journey going to look like? And, and I agree that this is a very individual decision. Uh, what we are doing uh, at SAP is to try to make it more easy for customers to move. So it's not a, you know, a big bang or black and white, uh, but give options to say, let's move certain capabilities maybe first. Um, also, look, what I see a lot is those, those what we call two-tier scenarios where customers start with a pilot, often in the cloud. Say, hey, I have a new acquisition. I, instead of putting it into my corporate system, uh, which is often a strategy, we did as SAP as well, they say, oh, now let's, let's put them on an S4 HANA cloud satellite, so to speak, and connect them back and then get first experience and then see how we can apply that maybe for the whole corporation or even go with a hybrid strategy then and, and still keep the core system on-prem and then build certain satellites around it. Also take certain capabilities out, uh, out, of, out of ERP and, and maybe uh, in something like HR. Yeah? A lot of com companies have uh, HCM embedded in, in ECC and they take the opportunity and they move uh, to success factors employee central with their core HR and then they basically upgrade the rest and, uh, into S4HANA and they have it integrated. Mm. So I think there's many different strategies and journey where we uh, need to uh, support the customer to move to the cloud. There's certainly not one size fits all. But uh, I agree with Saskia, at the end of the day, it has to be business-driven and it has to be value-driven. And uh, we have to map out this journey. So very few can really do this in, in, in one step unless you have really uh, one system, a small system. It's very standardized. You just uh, turn it over and then uh, go to S4. Uh, often it's really you have to look into a landscape. And, and many customers, they don't actually replace ECC with S4HANA. They actually replace a whole business suite with S4HANA. Mm. It's one of the last questions for today. Um, what do you think will be, let's call it, the hot topics of 2020? For, so from, from my perspective, um, 
hot topics will still be um, uh, intelligence. Yeah, so I think we have just scratched the surface here. Um, we have actually started to embed certain things into the product, but um, uh, we need to see more adoption and, and we will. I think this is really becoming real right now. Um, the other thing is what I call a business process as a service that we see, especially in the cloud, that the boundaries are blurring a lot between products and companies are rather looking into, you know, how do, how do you give me something that covers an end-to-end -end process? How do I do source to pay in the cloud? How do I do uh, order to cash, hire to retire in the cloud? And I don't care if this is three products and then how I, do you commercialize that, but give me an integrated end-to-end -end solution. And, and therefore, this is, this is also what we are working on to really string together now all the assets that we have in the cloud with S4HANA Cloud in the middle of it, but really go more into, you know, how do we package that? How do we support a whole end-to-end -end business process? Has a lot to do with what I mentioned earlier in terms of integration, uh, not only on an API level, but also on the user, from a user experience perspective, from a data perspective, all the way down to provisioning. You know, then all of a sudden you have to have the same release cycles, you have to have the same downtime window, the same SLAs, etc. But I think this is going to be a pretty hot topic next year. We have started to deliver the first couple of, of uh, scenarios now at the end uh, of this year with 1911, and we will see much, much more of that. So business process as a service, for me, a very big topic in the ERP space, then intelligence and, and what do we do with data and how do we combine actually this operational data now with, with machine data. So we will see a much bigger push again into Industry 4.0 uh, from SAP. From my perspective, one area where we have to play a much, much bigger role than we do today. And uh, the other thing is now with the acquisition of Qualtrics, it also starts to show. Uh, so really first real use cases, how we can leverage this experience data coming from customers, coming from end customers, and how do we build it again in uh, into the operational processes and how do we create insights that help again improve those processes. So there's a lot of use cases in the pipeline and this will next year, there will be uh, a lot of it coming out. Saskia, to come to an end. Again, a question I, I think I asked you already in episode five, but when people want to like follow your endeavors, when you again like mm -hmm. put a customer on ERP in a few weeks, where can do, they do that best? Best is LinkedIn. Definitely LinkedIn. And by the way, what I forgot to tell you, um, I'm really grateful that you are here because um, you're not supposed to be here. You're, you're missed somewhere else because you were supposed, I think, to receive the Best Consulting Excellence Award of the Wirtschaftswoche. Is it correct? Yeah, that's true. So you're basically missing the red carpet but <laughs> came to us here. Yeah, that's okay, I guess. <laughs> this is great. This <laughs> is great. Jan, same question to you. Where can people follow you? Well, same. I would say on, on LinkedIn primarily. On LinkedIn. We will be there. A little bit on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> all right then thanks a lot for being here it was really a pleasure great to have you and thank have you. a nice evening thank you very much you bye bye bye, bye.